Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, Gospel City. I'm enjoying the weather. Appreciate the, the cold. It's just like coming from home. But um, yeah, as uh, Tanner mentioned, my name is uh, Rob Warren. I'm a pastor up in Madison, Wisconsin with Doxa Church. And so I've got a lot of time over the last several years to just spend some time with the Gospel City family. Um, I spent a lot of time with your kids at camp throughout the years. And guys, I just like love this church. It's honestly just an honor um, to be here. I keep telling Mark I'm waiting for a job offer. I can be a great personal assistant, but um, he won't do that. Yeah, come on. Um, but guys, uh, yeah, I'm so excited to, to be here. And um, really, guys, it's you guys have celebrated 10 years of, of existing as a church family. And it's been awesome to just watch from a distance um, all that God has been doing through the Gospel City family. And one of the things that you guys are part of that I think many of you know, but I'm just going to remind you and just really just say thank you, is that you guys are part of helping to start a brand new church in, in Madison. And so you guys have been so generous. And I just wanted to say thank you for, for three things, okay? As, as we get into the Bible, I just wanted to say this. But guys, number one, I just want to thank you for your generosity, all right? That Gospel City has lived with open hands. Like one of the things that I've been influenced by, um, by this church family, is that you're generous like Jesus, and that makes sense. I know this church, Mark, loves Jesus. And so you guys are generous just like our Jesus. And your generosity has helped us start a new church in Madison, Wisconsin. I can tell you guys, a lot of people are meeting Jesus. And by the grace of God, we've actually been able to start two other churches, one in Osaka, Japan, and one in Ann Arbor, Michigan, reaching a bunch of uh, students and, and people in those university towns. And a large part of that is because Gospel City has just said, hey, we love Jesus, we love people, we want to lock arms and help more gospel work happen way outside of Texas, the greatest country in the world, amen, right? And so thank you so much for your generosity, but number two, thank you for your prayers. You know, I mean, there's so many times where people in Gospel City are, are shooting me a message and just saying like, hey, praying for you, what's going on with our church up in, in Madison? How can we be praying? And I believe that there's true power in prayer that God hears us, like because of the spirit in our life, like our prayers don't just reach the ceiling, but they go to the ears of God and, and he moves when his people pray. And, and honestly, I feel like just encouraged and empowered by all of your prayers. And so thank you for your generosity. Thank you so much for your prayers. And then number three, and I love this because I want to thank you for your influence. Uh, in my life, I mean, Mark's become one of my, my best friends, a man that I deeply respect. But coming here, I remember meeting Mark in Gospel City before we even started the church in Madison, and I was just blown away by the family that God has knit together in this church. I mean, the way that you guys do life, the way that you like view people, the way that just you're welcoming, you keep it about Jesus, like that has been stuff that has changed me as a man of God, has changed me as a pastor, has changed my view of like walking with Jesus and the everyday stuff of life. And I just want you to say, or want to say that, guys, Gospel City's fingerprint is on Doxa Church in Madison. That there's people that you're never going to probably meet until we get to heaven but guys, they, all of the people, they, they don't maybe don't know Gospel City by name, but they know that there's this church down in Texas that Rob is always talking about. And they know that you guys have had a significant role in, in helping us to start that church. So Gospel City, thank you so much. I love you. 
Doxa Church loves you. Um, but here's what we got today, all right? I'm a Bible teacher. I don't do announcements, so I'm just going to jump into the Bible if that's okay. But we're going to keep looking at some big moments in the book of Acts. So grab your Bible and find your way to Acts chapter 8. All right, in a little bit of context, like you guys have been talking about Acts over the last couple of weeks, I believe, but Acts is just a historical account of the early church, right? It's, it's what God did with the first of, of the early followers of Jesus, that after Jesus was born, he lived, he died, he resurrected, he ascended back into heaven. It was then that the Holy Spirit fell. It was the day of Pentecost. This is Acts chapter two, and the church of Christ was born, and it was the gospel, It's the gospel that gave birth and rise to the church. And the gospel is not just something that we think about and we sing about, and it's kind of like the starting line to the Christian life, but the gospel is the fuel of the church and really every single Christian, even today. The gospel is what life is all about. It's what this church is all about. And I love the name Gospel City because every time you say the name of your church, you're reminded that it's not about Mark Mangrum, it's not about this building, it's about Jesus. In his gospel. And so as we get into Acts chapter 8, I want to start by just reminding you, and maybe if you're new to kind of Christianity, the church, the Bible altogether, like I want to just share the gospel with you. And, and for those of you who are newer to Christianity, gospel literally means good news. And the good news in five words is this, if you're a note taker, is that God, it's that God saves sinners through Christ. This is the gospel. And the gospel for us today is that there is a God and we are not him. No no matter how much we want it to be all about us, it's really not all about us, that life is all about Jesus, that he is king and there is a God and he created every single one of us in his image. And so what that means is that every single person in this world has been marked with dignity, value, worth, and purpose, that you've never locked eyes with someone that doesn't mean a whole lot to God. But while we have this dignity and this worth, there is a significant problem in every single one of our lives. That we have all been separated from God. That God created us to be here. Sin entered into the world. Sin is just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And the very nature of sin is that it separates. It separates us from God. It separates us from each other. And this is the reality of every single one of our lives. That we all have sin, myself included. That we all do things that we shouldn't do, and we don't do things that we should do. The Bible just calls that sin. And so we're on our own. We're separated from God. But God, in his love for us, he steps into our story as the man Jesus Christ. And he lives for us. He dies for us. He raises for us. And when we come to him in faith, saying, you're God, I'm not. You're a savior. I'm a sinner. Will you take my sin? Jesus gladly takes it. He gives us his righteousness, and he brings us back to the Father. Guys, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that every Christian is fueled by. This is the gospel that every Bible-believing, Jesus-loving church is pushed forward. And this gospel, it gives us great joy. It gives us great assurance. It gives us great hope and perspective and honestly a reason to sing. Amen? This is the gospel. And so it's the gospel that this church is all about. Okay? And, and when we talk about like the role of the church, I, I would just ask you this. Like, how would you say... Like, what is the role and the mission of the church as it relates to this gospel? Just think about that for a minute. Like, what's the primary role? For you guys celebrated 10 years of Gospel City Church being in existence. For the next 10 years, what's the primary thing that Gospel City should be about? 
And this is a big deal because when we talk about the church, guys, we're not talking about a building, but we're talking about a people. And so this affects every single one of us as Christians. And the good news is, guys, we, we don't have to make up something. We don't have to come up with something, but we simply just go to God's word. And we go to places like Matthew 28, where Jesus gives the Great Commission. We go to Acts chapter 1-8, where Jesus says to go be my witnesses. And we find that the role and the mission of the church is to go and make disciples. Right? It's to go to people whom God loves and give them the greatest news in the world that Jesus loves and Jesus saves. And so I, I just want to like, I want you to hear this, okay? As it relates to the mission of the church, the mission of all of us as Christians, guys, it's people. People are the mission. Jesus and people, people meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. This is our mission as the family of God. It's not to have a great band, an amazing building, like mediocre teaching, right? It's not anything like that. It's not about having like a big budget and great events, but it's literally taking this gospel, this good news of Jesus to as many people as we possibly can. This is the mission of the church. And so we go with the gospel, we share the gospel. And this is one of the things that I've been praying that as you guys step into this next decade, that this would primarily and continue to be the tip of the spear is taking the gospel to the ends of the world, to the people whom God loves. And this is what we're going to see in Acts chapter 8 today. So I'm going to walk through this, all right, and then I'm going to end with some application. I'll make some uh, kind of comments on the way. But guys, as we get into this, the big idea is this, if you're a note taker, is that I hope you understand this and it comes into your heart, is that God uses people to save people. He uses people to save people. And if we understand this, Christian... This will give you perspective and purpose in your life like none other. All right, so Acts chapter 8, verse 26. This is what we see. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopian, who was in charge of all of her treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so here's what's going on, okay? Guys, for the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, we see the early church is just like exploding. Jesus dies, he raises from the dead, the Holy Spirit falls, and there are just thousands of people getting saved. Right? It's just like a big Billy Graham crusade. This is what's going on in the first seven chapters of, of Acts. But here in the first three verses, if you notice this, in chapter 8, we meet four characters that we need to look at. All right? And we, we need to understand that as we see this, guys, God kind of zooms in and stops talking about the crowds, but he zooms in on this one guy. And you know why? It's because God doesn't just love crowds. He loves faces. He loves individuals and he loves you. Someone in here needs to be reminded of that this morning, that God actually loves you. And as we meet these four people here, all right, we're going to see something significant of how God kind of just uses and purposes his people in the church. And if you're a Christian, I'm praying that this kind of gives you like direction in life, like a focus in your life. And if you're not a Christian, you're going to see what God is doing for you right now in his pursuit of you. But let's look at these four characters, okay? First, if you look back, we, we see that an angel shows up on the scene in verse 26. 
right? And I don't have time to get into like angelology or anything like that. I don't know how you feel when you think about angels, but here's what you need to know, all right? For God, there's two realms or two realms, but one reality, all right? That there's the physical realm that where human beings are, and then there's also the spiritual realm with spiritual beings. These are, these are angels. And so we just need to know that in terms of the Bible and in, in terms of spiritual beings, these angels, that this is not just a thing about Bible times, but this is true in our day today, in our lives today. In fact, this is why Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, talks about that there are angels all around that are ministering spirits sent and used by God to serve those who are going to inherit salvation. And so here in this moment, all right, on this road, God uses this angel for his perfect purpose, for his glory, and ultimately for humanity's good. But this angel shows up and he starts guiding this man named Philip to ultimately put him in place where he intercepts a guy that God loves. And so this leads us to the second character here, okay? This man named Philip. And we first meet Philip, if you're familiar with your Bible, in Acts chapter 6, right? He's installed as a deacon. He's just this godly dude. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And this angel comes to him and says, hey, I need you to leave here and I need you to go to the middle of nowhere, all right, this is what he's talking about when he's talking about going to Gaza because the road from Jerusalem to Gaza was a road that Jews would never travel on. It was very dangerous. All right, it was the home of like the Philistines, which were just brutal enemies of God. And so this command that comes to Philip, one of God's people, likely didn't make any sense. All right, because Philip, if you just put yourself in Philip's place, he, he's, he's in Jerusalem, right? He's doing ministry. Like thousands of people are meeting Jesus. They're having this like spiritual explosion. And then God shows up to Philip and he says, hey, this is all great. This is really exciting. You love it, right? I want you to leave. Just leave. Go to the middle of nowhere. You know, so Philip, I mean, we can read the Bible and just be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Philip's hearing this and he's like, wait, what? Like, why would I leave here? Why would I just leave all of these people all this excitement, and just go to the middle of nowhere. Guys, you know, I don't know why. There was one person there that God loves. There was one person that needed to hear about Jesus, and God needed Philip to go and tell him. Because do you see how beautiful this is? That God loves one person enough that he puts together an entire plan to go get that one person with good news. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, you need to know that you're one of those people. You're one of those people that Jesus loves so much and he's been pursuing you and preparing you because he wants you to bring, come to himself through Jesus so you can find forgiveness of sin. But for those of you who are Christians, okay, let me just tell you this. I want you to see this. Guys, Philip's presence on the road to Gaza reveals something so significant about the call of the gospel in a person's life, in a Christian's life. That if you truly embrace and you truly understand the gospel and determine to follow after Jesus, you may find yourself going somewhere that you never thought you'd go. You may find yourself doing something that you never thought that you would do. That obedience to the gospel oftentimes requires us to just obey God in unexpected ways, just like Philip. And as a Christian, the proper response for any time that God breaks into our life and speaks to us through his word or through prayer, it's really just to say anything, anytime, anywhere. We just have our yes on the table. And this was Philip's posture. And Philip just said, okay, God, if you got one guy out there that you love, 
that needs Jesus and invited into the family of God, I'll go. I'll go. And God was using this in preparation for that person that he loves to receive the love of God through Jesus. And this one guy that God is sending Philip to as we meet is this Ethiopian eunuch. This is the third character that we need to meet. And I need to ex explain what a, what a eunuch is, okay? So what is a eunuch, right? You look at this picture. No, no, there's not gonna be a picture. That'd be weird, but how do you, right? How do you become a eunuch? Right, guys? Ouch, right? You, you get castrated, right? But this came with the job that this guy had, okay? So this is just a freebie, but you know, if you thought you had a really bad job, right? Tomorrow you go in, your, your, your boss is doing all that. Just think of this guy and you're like, wow, this cubicle looks really great, okay? So, but this man, all right, he was a servant to the queen of Ethiopia. And since he was around the queen and all of her harem, in order to ensure their safety, the men would be castrated so they wouldn't be tempted to pursue these women. But here's what I want you to see about this man. Guys, God was preparing this man for salvation. He was preparing this man to meet Jesus even before he knew who Jesus was. So if you look back, this Ethiopian man has apparently heard about this Hebrew God and his people, and they're in Jerusalem. And for some reason, he just had in his mind, he's like, I gotta get to Jerusalem. I got to get there. I got to see what God is doing. I'm hearing that's like, there's something crazy. There's something special happening. And he gets this idea that he's got to get to Jerusalem to check it out. And so he takes this trip from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, which took months. He's seeking hard for answers. And furthermore, it's, it's bizarre, but he's got a part of the copy of the, like, the scriptures, right? And he's reading them. He's not fully understanding it, but he's, he's reading these scriptures. And so this guy is just eagerly seeking to know this God that he keeps hearing about. He doesn't know him, but God is preparing him to meet him. And, and guys, maybe this is some of you today as you sit in your seat. Like, are you looking for God? Like, is that why you're ultimately here? This Ethiopian guy's heart is opening up to God. He's thinking, man, I just got to get to this place. I got to worship God. Even though he's not even a Christian, he's looking for God. And let me just say this. If that's you and you're here and you're not a Christian, this is you today. This was my story. But you're here, Right? You decided to wake up early on a Sunday. You made a trip to find God in a strip mall. Okay, so a little bit different than Jerusalem, but you made a trip and a journey, and you're here, and you're with God's people, and we love Jesus, and we love you. And you might think, that sounds weird. Like, you don't even know me. How do you, how do you love me? But here's the deal. I love God. God loves you, and so I love the things that God loves, okay? And this is your story right now. But this is the Ethiopian man. God is moving in his life. He's preparing him for the rescue of Jesus. And so we've seen the angel, we've seen Philip, we see this eunuch, and the fourth character in this story is the Holy Spirit. All right, And the Holy Spirit is just the third member of the Trinity, that we have one God that exists in three persons, the Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God is the one that empowers us and leads us to live our lives for the glory of God and the good of others around us. And this includes the Holy Spirit's movement in our life and power in our life really just includes leading us in the ways of Jesus and leading us to live in the likeness of Jesus, but it also includes leading us towards the people around us who don't yet know Jesus. But God's heart is that they would, 
And so he leads us as his people to go. And so the Holy Spirit shows up and he leads Philip to this Ethiopian man ultimately to invite him to Jesus. Now look back to verse 29. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran down to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to slaughter and like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with the scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So guys, here's what has happened. All right, this Ethiopian man, he's traveled for months to get to Jerusalem. He's looking for God. He finally gets to the temple, and he finally gets there to worship. But because of Jewish law, this man likely shows up in Jewish law in places like Leviticus 21 and Deuteronomy 23 that says that you, if you're a eunuch or a Gentile, you can't go in to worship. And so he shows up after this long trip, and people are like, no, no, you, you're not like us. You, you don't fit in here. And so he's likely forced to just stand outside the temple, just kind of observing God's people worshiping, but he's from a distance. And so in, in short, this guy was treated like an outcast. He's a religious outsider. He doesn't look like these people because presumably he's a black African. He's, he's a eunuch, so he's coming from the wrong background, right? He just doesn't fit in for people, but not for God. That the gospel is good news for all people, and God shows up, and led by an angel and the Holy Spirit, he says, Philip, go. And so this eunuch is probably bummed, he's just walking away from the temple, and it's that moment that Philip's in the middle of nowhere, and God shows up and says, there's the guy. There's the guy I love. Go. And Philip goes. And I love it. it says he doesn't just go, he runs. And this guy's reading Isaiah, right? And not just like part of Isaiah, he's reading Isaiah 53, which is probably the most famous Old Testament prophecy about Jesus. And so Philip's running alongside this chariot, and he's reading about this guy who is a Messiah, a savior, to come to save people from suffering and their sin. And this eunuch, he's reading this. He has no idea what's going on. He's confused. He doesn't know who Isaiah is talking about, as it says in verse 34. Never heard about Jesus. And so Philip, he's like, hey, do you know what's going on? And the eunuch's like, no, how can I know unless someone tells me? So he pulls over the chariot. Philip gets up, and he just gives him the good news of Jesus. Gospel City, do you love people enough to live like this? Do you love people enough to give them the gospel? Like, who's in your life right now that doesn't know Jesus and his gospel? And do you love them enough to share it with them? I mean, just think about this, guys. How much do we have to hate people? How much do you have to hate someone to claim to have the answer to eternal life in the escape of hell and to not give them the answer? It's the height, the pinnacle of hatred. Do you love people enough to give them Jesus? Philip did, even though this guy was wildly different. He goes and he invites this guy to Jesus. And if you look at verse 36, 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. And I love this. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline this. And he went his way rejoicing. All right, the eunuch's heart had been so well prepared by God to receive his gospel that he seemed to almost believe immediately. And then he asked to get baptized. But the eunuch's response to the gospel has like three parts. He confessed that Jesus is his salvation. He obeyed Jesus and baptized and was baptized. And then he went on rejoicing, as we see in verse 39. And as he went on rejoicing, guys, he did so because he finally understood the love of God. He finally understood the salvation of Jesus, right? Some of you, you maybe have a good understanding of church life, but maybe you don't know Jesus. This guy finally got it. He's like, I understand the salvation that I have for my sin. And he left rejoicing. And I love this, guys, as he goes back home rejoicing. Do you know what this is? This is a fulfillment of prophecy, This is a fulfillment of Acts 1.8, where Jesus said, you will be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Ethiopia at this time was seen as the end of the earth. And so these these disciples were probably like, how are we going to get to the end of the earth with the gospel? But then God brings this Ethiopian man to Jerusalem. He meets Jesus and then sends him back to his home country. He goes rejoicing. He starts telling everybody in Ethiopia about this Jesus who saves. And the gospel breaks out. All right, the ancient church father, uh, Irenaeus, he records historically that the Ethiopian went back and there was revival in Ethiopia. The gospel broke out. Guys, is this awesome? I feel like I'm at a funeral right now. This is awesome, right? (laughs) Because this is how the gospel of Jesus gets to the world around us. All right, it's not just by having like a really cool church. It's not about just having events, but it's about us as the people of God living with the love of God in our heart, going out into the everyday stuff of life, living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and giving the gospel of Jesus away to everybody around us. This is God's plan for GCC over the next 10 years. It's not about a cool vision that we can put on a plaque. It's Acts 1.8. It's Matthew 28. Go make disciples. Be my witnesses. Give the gospel away. So, I'm out of time, but let me just get really practical, okay? As I thought about like, okay, so you can, you, you can rile people up and be like, yeah, we gotta go give the gospel. Like, how do, I, like what, how do we think about this, okay? I wanna give you three things for us to like engage with the mission of God. And these are things that I regularly try and like preach to myself but the first is this, is guys, we need to see people. This sounds basic, but every single one of us, we see people in one of three ways. Scenery, machinery, or ministry. Some of you, you see people as scenery. You pass them by on the street, and it's like passing by a fire hydrant or a tree. You don't engage with them. You just hope they don't get in your way, but you see them, but you don't engage with them. Just, you just acknowledge. It's scenery. That's how you view people. Other of you, like, it's not so much scenery, but it's machinery. And so you will engage with people if they can produce something with, for you. Like, if they can do something good and add to your life, then you'll engage with them. But the minute they stop producing something, 
You put it down and you find someone else that can produce for you. It's a, it's a mechanical view of people. But what we see of Jesus is he didn't see people as scenery or machinery, but he viewed people as ministry. He viewed people as made in the image of God, all people. And it led him to love them, to actually see them, to go be with them, to help them, to serve them. We need to see people how God sees people with dignity and value and worth and purpose. And even if they have a different political candidate that they're voting for, even if they have a different view of life, we look at them like God sees them. So we see people. Forget the political stuff. Everybody just got tense, okay? So (laughs) the second thing, guys, is we need to speak to people. And let me tell you this, guys. The gospel is not just something that can be shown, but it needs to be said. So some of you, you grew up in the church, and you have heard a quote, and maybe you even lived your life by this quote that was wrongly attributed to this man, St. Francis of Assisi. Right, that this quote was attributed to him. He didn't say it, but he was said to say, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Have you heard that? That's not biblical. Because you need to understand, sure, we love people. Because people will latch on to that because they'll be like, well, that's easy. I can just love people. I can like buy them lunch. I can hold doors open for them. But I don't want to do the hard thing of like actually sharing the gospel with them because then it's going to get awkward. People will not come to know that they have sin and that Jesus is a savior by you holding a door open for them. The gospel is something that needs to be articulated verbally. And so we need to speak to people. And you might push on that and just say, guys, Robbie, but it's, it gets awkward, right? <laughs> like it gets awkward. You guys with me? Sometimes you share the gospel and it's like, it's, it's awkward. Here's where I'm at. I would rather have awkward for a moment and them hear about Jesus than to me not hear about awkward or not feel awkward and them not hear about Jesus. I'd rather have them have salvation and me feel a little bit awkward. So we see people, we speak to people, and guys, the last thing is we pray for people. There's true power in prayer. True power in prayer. And regardless of how people will respond to the gospel, we pray and we just ask God to like open eyes and soften hearts. I, I, would, I don't have time to tell this whole story, but there was a lady that my mom knew that prayed for me for 20 years. And I hadn't seen her for 20 years, but she prayed for me. And she came to a thing that I was speaking at, and she was like, oh my gosh, Robbie? I'm like, who are you, old lady, and why are you calling me Robbie, right? <laughs> and she's like, your mom asked me to pray for you, and I've been praying for you every single day that you would come to know Jesus. I didn't know what happened to you, but today I'm reminded in the power of prayer. And I love that. So GCC, remember this. God uses people to save people. The gospel came to you on its way to someone else. Will we be like Philip, who's ultimately like Jesus? And so let me just leave you with this question. Guys, who's in front of you right now? God took Philip in the middle of nowhere and put this Ethiopian guy right in front of him so that he could give him the gospel. Who's in front of you right now? A family member a friend, a coworker that you just need to put down your phone so you can see him and speak to them about Jesus.
Who might that be? Chances are you have that person in your head right now. I'm gonna pray and just give you a moment just to ask God to just give you the opportunity to see them and speak them and lead them to Jesus. Let me pray. Father, I love you. Um, even as we